What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Everybody and welcome to Judging Freedom. Judge Andrew Napolitano here. Thank you for listening and watching my new podcast where I get to think what I want and say what I think and speak to all kinds of people, people that I like and agree with, such as our guest today, people that I like and disagree with, people that I dislike and disagree with for another show at another time. Today is uh, my dear friend and colleague, Brian Wilson. Brian has been in radio in the United States for a long time. One of his partners along that radio career path of his was a young unknown guy named Rush Limbaugh. Brian had me on as a regular guest for many years, and Brian is responsible for the name of this podcast because Brian named the segment he and I did uh, with him once or twice a week, Judging Freedom. And once I left Fox, it seemed like a, a good way to draw attention to myself. Brian, welcome. Welcome to the show that you baptized and named. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad it's in such good hands, Judge. It's good to see you. Good uh, to see you're you. very kind. You're very kind. The uh, vaccine mandates don't seem to want to go away. I, um, I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, my article this week, which is not yet out, but will be out at lourockwell.com and Townhall.com and a variety of uh, other places comes out on Thursday, argues that Governor Abbott's um, uh, edicts are as unconstitutional as President Biden's edict. Well, Biden hasn't signed this edict yet, but the one he's threatened to sign, the one that Governor Abbott of Texas has signed, prohibits private businesses from... um, asking or compelling their employees to show proof of vaccination. So this is on private property. The one Biden has threatened to sign requires private businesses to be assured of the uh, vaccine, both on private property. My argument is this is interference with private property, property one to, for a noble purpose to support conscience, the other for an ignoble purpose to support conformity. What do you think? Well, I, I have to say that the uh, I've given it a lot of thought to the whole business of the mandates and so on. I haven't focused down, uh, as they say, uh, drilled down into the uh, the governor's uh, specifics. I understand how it works. Read right about this morning. I know it's in front of SCOTUS and blah blah blah. And so, but the, in the bigger picture, uh, something that you've touched on, uh, you know, in, in previous podcasts with uh, Jacob and with Nick and so on, the, this whole business of the mandates, as you just mentioned, the mandate doesn't even exist. And you have businesses and people and schools and mayors and governors and all the rest of them running around as if it did, uh, which which kind of is a, is a puzzle in and of itself. Uh, just the application of the term mandate from a president in a constitutionally limited republic where power originates with the people. But what the hell is that all about? I mean, the whole thing is just is just upside down. So I, I said, well, why are, why, are, why are they doing that? 
I think the I think the 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 short answer is contained in the punchline from a a somewhat obscene joke. You know, why does a dog do some of the things that dogs are noted for doing? And the punchline <laughs> because it can exactly exactly. <laughs> right. yeah. By the way, that might have been obscene at one point. It's rather commonplace today. That, mm -hmm. that yeah one liner. I I used a one liner about dogs in my uh, article that's coming out. Uh, in two days, if you call a tail a leg, how many legs does a dog have? And everybody says five. No, the answer is four, because calling a tail a leg doesn't make a tail a leg. So <laughs> calling an edict or a mandate the law doesn't make it the law. I mean, this is not something legislated by Congress or in Governor Abbott's case, the legislature of Texas. This is something the two people in the executive branch President Biden, Governor Abbott wrote on their own. And the last time I checked under the separation of powers, the people's representatives, the legislative branch writes the law, not the executive branch. Exactly. And, and that's uh, thanks to, you know, your articles, our conversations, your books that you're over here in my bookcase. I mean, that's a, a lesson uh, duly learned that was not uh, inculcated in my government classes at school or anything like history lessons. So the so so and it's always been I think we may have had this discussion a couple of years ago over dinner or whatever. You know, I've gotten fired a number of times, you know, it's just par for course in radio because I asked why. Right. Why? Why do you want me to do this? You, you say I'm going to get better ratings if I stand on my head and whistle Dixie with a mouthful of graham crackers. How do you know that? Where does that come from? You know, so, so I got to looking into this, and I think the uh, the we know that that uh, that elected people for the most part are sociopaths, uh, you know, power hungry and all the rest. We know about Lord Acton's famous power corrupts and so on. But what is the why? And I I came across a um, I came across a, uh, the author of, a, of a, an expression I had known for a while uh, that, it, that goes, in the end, we will love only what we know, and we will know only what we are taught. That was a guy named Baba Diem, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, who his history is rather interesting. He had nothing to do with philosophy. Or anything. He was actually a, a forester in Sven, well, wherever hell he was from. You know, it doesn't really matter. But, they, <laughs> but to come to the point... Because the thing that's the thing that was even more puzzling to me is not just the mandates being issued by people who have no authority to do that, as you said, and outside the realm of the legislative, executive, judicial branches that we understand them. But more importantly, why are people obeying them? Yes, that that is the sixty-four thousand uh, dollar question. Why are people complying? My, my answer is. They're complying it has nothing to do with government or the separation of powers. They're complying out of fear. You know, the government uses fear as a motivator uh, and the government likes to give the impression it's doing something. We will even kill people out of fear. We will surveil people uh, out of fear. We will monitor your every keystroke on your mobile device and your laptop uh, out of fear to to keep you safe. So people like Abbott, and, and I say this as somebody who generally agrees with him more than I disagree, and Joe Biden, somebody with whom I'm more likely to disagree than agree, mm -hmm. are trying to feed their bases and are using fear. If you don't do this, you're going to get sick and die. 
And if you don't believe me, there's Tony Fauci here. Ah, and if you do do this, you're going to destroy your freedom. And Texas is the land of the free and the home of the brave. And nobody's going to destroy our freedom, even if we have to tell you what to do on private property. What do you think? Fear the motivator? And of course, the motivator for obedience, for compliance, not the motivator for the diktat. The motivation for the diktat is... People in government suffer from libido dominandi. They they have the lust to tell others how to live. They have the lust to dominate. Well, I, I, like I say, we, the uh, as we've discovered most of the time, but you know, our responses to each other is, "Well, I agree with that. I'll agree with that. Of course, we agree. With that. We're on the same page. We, whatever." But I, I was trying, in that in that um, in that expression that this fellow Diam came up with. You know, we we only love what we know and know what we're taught. And then factoring in the why, why are people caving? Why are, you know, so the, um, I thought, well, if we only love, if we, only love what we know, we know what we're taught. Well, then who's our teacher? Mm. Who's the teacher? Who's the, who, who, who is with us every day, everywhere, anywhere, all the time, 24, 7, 365, who teaches us what's good, what's bad, what's moral, what's immoral, what the cool kids are doing, right. you know, that kind of thing. And, and the only thing I come up with is the media. It's the media. It's always the politicians know that. So they feed the lesson plan to the AP. The AP puts it on the proper form, sends it out to ABC, NBC, CBS, NPR, Fox, CNN sometimes and so on. And so we're all taught the same lesson the same day. Let me let me add a little nuance to that. Okay, we are also taught the same basics, which thanks to Woodrow Wilson comes (laughs) through the public school system. And that is not that the government is bad, not that the government is essentially the negation of liberty, but that the government is your friend and you should embrace and respect authority. So with those basics in the 98% of us that are graduates of the public school system in the United States, we now have a media leapfrogging on the back of that. What do you think about that? Yeah, that, that was uh, that was uh, that was the, the next uh, the next stage of my own trying to noodle this whole thing out. It was easy. You have the media, then you've got a, you know, a, a, the basis uh, in with the help from the public school system. Of course, now you have to factor in social media right. and, uh, and all the, all the nonsense, sometimes good, sometimes bad, you know, sometimes accurate, sometimes not, you know, that comes out of that. And then getting back to something you said earlier that I think is also by the, the fear factor that, the, that they motivate us with. That is all based on this great big hairball uh, of uh, through the is ignorance. Yeah, we're ignorant. You know, the, the 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 massive amount of ignorance out there based on all of this that goes in the the great sausage grinder. You know, the the media, the government, all that produces what comes out, which is the popular narrative that everybody is buying into. Of course, once it's on TV or once it's on the internet, well, now it's now it's validated. So you know, I saw it on the internet or I saw it on TV. Therefore, I it's true. David Muir say it right. or, or Fauci or whomever. So therefore it, it must be true. And therefore, so based on my ignorance and their mis- and disinformation and sometimes outright lies, now you've, now you've got the crap scared out of me and I'm going to do anything you tell me to do. So let's look at an, an example of this. Chicago. The, the most lawless, most murderous of the major cities in the United States of America. The governor, the mayor, Lori Lightfoot, has issued an edict effective today 
if you're not and you're a police officer and you're not vaccinated, don't expect a paycheck. One third of the cops in Chicago are not vaccinated. So is she crazy? First of all, it's unlawful for them to work without a paycheck. It's unlawful. And she knows that she's a former federal prosecutor. It's a federal statute. It is unlawful for her to expect them to work without a paycheck. But if she doesn't pay that one third and that one third of the cops in Chicago do not does not come to work, then the most lawless city in the country will become infinitely worse not because of legislation, not because of a statute, but because they exercise their conscience to defy a mayoral edict. That is going to have horrific consequences, everyday consequences, mainly for the poor. Well, uh, once again, no argument. I, I, I keep coming back to whether it's Lightfoot or whether it was Whitmer or Cuomo or Newsom or whatever. How, how do these people, not only how do they do it, not only why do they do it, but how do they continue to do it? You know, where where are the courts? Where are the Republicans? Where are where are people? Now, we're seeing it a little bit, I think, which is uh makes my heart go pity pat when I see these school board meetings in Loudoun County and things like that, where parents are actually standing up and getting dragged off to jail and things like that for speaking. Wait a minute. The the Democrats believe one in particular, former chair of the democratic national committee, former governor of Virginia, now running for reelection, you know, Virginia politics better than I do that parents should not have any say in what their kids are taught. None whatsoever. And, and, and and so you kind of wonder, well, now that parents are starting to speak up, you know, what took so long? And that right. expands to the bigger question. How, how much longer is the uh, is the American public, even the ones that are on the ignorant side, even the ones that are, you know, that maybe like the guy that's in the White House, and so how much longer are they going to put up with this? I mean, when you can't go to work, can't go to school, can't go to birthday parties, can't go to funerals, can't go to weddings, can't go to football games. I mean, you, you can't do a damn thing. I mean, I think... Uh, I think it was Illinois or Michigan, Michigan, uh, where there were, for a while there, there was a man that said, you couldn't, you couldn't go, I couldn't come over to your farm and hang out right. and drink maple syrup. I mean, I could, things like that. It was, it was right. it, how, 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 not only how do they do it, not only why do they do it, not only why do people continue to be intimidated and follow that, but the, then you get to the end of the road and you say, well, how, how much longer is this going to go on? I have, argue, I have argued that and I've had conversations here in Northwest New Jersey where we don't have local police departments. We have the state police. So the state police are effectively the local police. So you sort of get to know them. I have had conversations with them. Don't you guys remember that it is unlawful to obey an unlawful order? Answer, yes, we do. But who's going to be the first to break the mold? Mm-hmm. Answer, do you really think we enjoy going into a, a, a gym at three in the morning to see if people are using it when the governor says it should be closed? Well, does it occur to you that the governor doesn't have the authority to do this and that you're you're using your badge and your gun to enforce something that's not a law? Again, who's going to be the first one to break the mold? I mean, the... Yeah, This is a leap, what I'm going to say now. The Soviet Union fell when the police got sick and tired of obeying their masters. Well, and and, and you can take it even one step further. You know, not just the people, you know, waiting for that Archduke moment, you know, uh, 
if, if that were ever to happen. But you take Lightfoot, your, your example there is that she knows it's wrong. She's going to do it anyway. Whitmer knew it was wrong, did it anyway. Cuomo knew it was wrong, did it anyway. The, what was the current SCOTUS decision about the, the stay in Mexico, the Trump, the Trump policy about right. being in, in Mexico right. and the immigration right. thing? Well, let me answer deal. your litany. Phil Murphy, the governor of New Jersey, <laughs> who told my then colleague, Tucker Carlson, who said to him, what about the Bill of Rights? Because Murphy was dispersing peaceable assemblies that had more than 25 cars. They wouldn't let you out of your car. So if you wanted to protest Murphy, you had to protest from in your car, but they had the police counting the car. Uh, uh, Carlson says, what about the Bill of Rights? Governor Murphy, the Bill of Rights? That's above my pay grade. Above my pay grade. Wait a minute. You took an oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States, which includes the Bill of Rights. Well, maybe that means it's also above his IQ. You know, the, uh, it's, it's, it, those are the things that really, uh, they've got me, you know, puzzling and, and you know, and, and chewing on all this to try and come up with, with answers, which, uh, of course, I count on you for in this podcast, you know, when, uh, when you get, we get into this. And, and it, it also concerns me that we, we're asking an awful lot of questions. We're not getting an awful lot of pragmatic answers. Yeah. You know, but like for, you know, you can spot, for example, you can pick up any one of your books, you know, the, you know and, and see, well, the Constitution says this, Constitution says it doesn't say this, doesn't say that. This is right. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is right. Okay. Now what? And then there's, and, and, and it's like you said, and I guess, you know, the large part of the answer is in the question that you gave to the state trooper, the Jersey state trooper. Who's going to take the first shot? Right. You know, who's going to make the first move? Who's going to break the mold? Who's going to say no? You know, who's right. going to, you know, I like to see some cops at those Loudoun County uh, Board of Education meetings. Some guys going off on them and just let them just stand there. Right. Of course, now you've got FBI agents that are supposed to be going in on that, too. And you say, how, again, how long, oh, Lord, are we going to put up with this? How long will the people Why is the FBI at a Board of Education meeting, unless they're there to protect freedom of speech, but the local police uh, can do that? Mm -hmm. Is the FBI there to intimidate parents? You know, there's a Supreme Court case involving uh, FBI literally sticking their cameras and their noses in the face of anti-war press protesters. So this goes back to the uh, Nixon era. That's called chilling when the government makes its presence so obvious, it's trying to deter people from exercising their freedom of speech. Well, do you get the sense, based on all of this, based on your conversation with the state trooper, based on the ignoring of the Remain in Mexico doctrine, uh, on the basis of sending the FBI into local school boards and so on, it, it's almost, remember that uh, Office Depot commercial where at the end it said, I hit the button. Is it that was easy? You know, so right, I mean, right, they, right, right. they've installed one of those in Washington. It's only they call it the ignore button. The Supreme Court says this. So the Constitution says that. And they just go ahead and do it anyway. Yeah. There is the story this morning in the New York Post of the Biden administration secretly, uh, at least to the point they're not telling anybody, made any mention of it, are flying these kids, adolescents, out of Texas, these illegal immigrants, flying them all over the country, flying them into New Jersey, Westchester Airport, 2 right. o'clock in the morning, and then to being picked up by people in street clothes and being driven off anywhere from to Dover to Newton to maybe down to Tallahassee, but all over the place. And yet at the same token, kids in school having to wear face masks 
while the president goes to the restaurant without a face mask, I'm sure you've seen all these stories and yeah, these inconsistencies, yeah. these double standards, these contradictions, this hypocrisy. It just seems to be ratcheting up the thermostat of human. T- Ryan, I am shocked that you get the New York Post in southern Georgia. We sometimes oh. can't even get it here in northern New Jersey. <laughs> i got a guy, he pedals all the way down here from Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I did see this morning's, and in the Post, those photographs are stunning. Photographs yeah. taken at like 3 in the morning at the Westchester County Airport, which is basically an airport for the wealthy because of the wealthy private chats, sort of like Teterboro yeah. here in northern uh, New Jersey, parading these kids off these planes. Now, how the Post knew when the planes were going to land and how they knew when to take the pictures, only the Post knows, but I it's in that, there. It's in there. Oh, it's yeah, the color to see. Yeah, I think it was in the, I think it was kind of buried in the story that uh, there were some residents there that were you know, that these planes going overhead at two o'clock in the morning, driving them crazy. And they called them and said, what the hell's going on? Because ordinarily the, the airport was closed at night. So when, when you, you mentioned something earlier and later, I want to tie them together before we leave. What can we do? And one of your questions, which I haven't really heard asked before, was where are the Republicans? Yeah, where are they? Where are the small government people? I don't mean libertarians like you and me and Nick Gillespie and Ron Paul and our friends at uh, at Mises and Jacob Hornberger, because we preach this stuff every day. But where are Republican office holders challenging this stuff. I would imagine Republican office holders in Texas agree with the governor, even though he is invading property rights. Republicans in Congress, where are they challenging uh, the president's mandates? He didn't ask the Congress for legislation. He's stepping on the on their branch of the government and nobody's saying anything. Well, that raises that raises another question within something else I was mentioning earlier, and that is in you know in the media as our teacher. For all we know, you know, Republicans in in federal law, in, in government, congressmen, senators, in every state in the union could be yelling their lungs out. But like the tree that falls in a forest, if there's no one there to hear it, doesn't make a noise. If there isn't a microphone and a camera in front of Rand Paul or or any of the rest of these people, you know, to you know to catch it, you know, are you going to hear about it? And invariably, if there if it does make a headline somewhere, it's going to get twisted into something derogatory, right? Or they're going to, or like NBC the other night, they just you know do a little snip on the tape and eliminate you know the vital parts of the story and present it as something that it's not. Right. And Joe and Jane Sixpack are sitting out there, right, Lester? Gotcha, Lester. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Brian, it's a joy to be with you. I I almost forgot how much fun it is. I hope we can do it. Uh, on a regular basis. Thanks very Anytime. much for joining us today. Give me a call. Always fun talking to you, Judge. I love your library. Uh, thank you. And, and thank you, uh, my dear friends, for listening to uh, what Brian Wilson named <laughs> Judging Freedom. All the best. 